Ed, we'll come on to it later on in the show, but surely Aston Villa are a team that Man United can beat. Are you sure? No, I don't feel like I'm sure about anything anymore since that dizzying five minutes of disaster. Yeah, I mean, the bus was late. United could have done with parking the bus for that five minutes. What a mess. And and your boy, I'm blaming you for this, Paul. LVG, yep, sure, he should be sacked, but really it's your fault. Your boy, Daily Blint, twice on the wrong side of his man. I was really hoping that I could bring that up first to kind of own it, you know, rather than you get to use it as an I told you so stick. Yeah, I'm just going to keep beating you with that. <laughs> I should share the blame around here because Marcus Rocco was very much at fault for the out of Vireld goal as well. So not just Daily Blint, but uh, what a mess after Tim Fosu Mensah went up. Who knew? that an 18-year-old kid was our best defender. I mean, 18-year-old kids being our best players is very much the theme of the season, isn't it? Um, So it's not totally surprising. I guess we should uh, take this game in some sort of chronological order. So Van Gaal got his excuses in early. I was very surprised he didn't mention it in the post-match stuff, but um, he said uh, that... of course, there's big disruption because the team bus was late. Uh, Martin Tyler was very moralistic about that on Sky's coverage, saying, well, it's United's own fault if they didn't leave on time. And then I have some sympathy for that point of view because uh, presumably traffic information was available and it was somewhat predictable that London traffic on a Sunday afternoon would be disastrous. I mean, seriously? <laughs> I mean, how pathetic. Uh, I guess there's no rules about this. They got their team sheet in on, in on time, but uh, I, I, is there going to be a fine for United? Or um, obviously, yeah, not getting docked any points, they managed to do that on the pitch very successfully. Um, yeah, really, really, really pathetic. Uh, but there you go. I mean, you know, it was a, it was a shambles before they got to the ground, and and uh, for 20 minutes or so, United looked like that didn't matter and they they were actually quite positive for the first 20 minutes. At least they had a lot of the ball, didn't create any chances, of course, because United never create any chances, um, but had a lot of the ball and Spurs looked quite nervous, I thought. And then as the second half wore on, especially towards the end of it, Spurs got back into it and then really United just weren't in it for the whole of the second half. Absolutely. I mean, it was very understandable that Spurs were nervous. They, they had a long time to think and... You know, it was a disastrous result for them. The fact that Leicester had just won, there was a real opportunity there for United, and and you can definitely blame some of the players. Uh, but the door, the blame has to lie at the manager's door. This business of playing Lingard inside and matter out wide it is bad, or at least questionable at any time. But matter up against Danny Rose. Oh, it was just so predictably bad. I mean. Look, Matter spent the whole of the first half tracking Danny Rose, basically. I mean, every United attack went down the left, um, and so all Matter did was was track back all the time, and, and he was a willing tracker, wasn't he? I mean, he, he it's not like you could blame Matter for not putting in a shift, but it was an unfair contest. Yeah, and it's just, it's such a stupid decision to put him in that contest. Like, what what's the, what is the point of putting matter there in that game what especially since van gaal is a manager who thinks about direct matchups you know this is something that he considers he, he's he is quite reactive to the opposition at times or at least whenever it works out well he'll always claim that that's what he was trying to do but but this one i mean you could say against city and liverpool that there's some merit to having lingard through the middle cuz he's got a lot of pace and he can expose some of the kind of defensive weaknesses in those sides but Tottenham's uh, central defenders, you, you need to outdo them with Naus, not 
speed. That's not going to do the job, is it? They're, you know, they're pretty physically effective and they've been one of the most effective defensive partnerships in the league. And they've got Lloris behind them, who's got a kind of sweeper-keeper aspect to his game. So it just seemed genuinely baffling, an angeringly baffling decision. Yeah, well, uh, 0.6 chances created per game by Jesse Lingard. He's just not number 10 and... Um, there's, there's a couple of very good reasons. One, he doesn't really know how to play the role, doesn't get in the right positions. The second one, I think he just lacks the experience for it. I think often proper number 10s have, have uh, you know, a bit more maturity. I, I'm obviously saying that without the backing of any data. Um, it's just not the right role for him. I, I think when it's useful is when he's like a defensive forward and he sits on the um, the main defensive midfielder of the opposition. And that's the only Thing. I mean, Jesse Lingard would keep saying it, but Miles better off the ball than he is on it. Um, and Juan Mata, just totally peripheral. But the problem was that Mata uh, keeps wanting to come inside. His average position uh, in, in the first half was almost in the centre circle. Um, it left Danny Rose loads and loads of space when Mata wasn't able to track him or couldn't keep up. And, um, you know, I'm surprised Spurs hadn't exploited it before they did. Eventually they did. Yeah, I mean, and I guess a big reason that they hadn't exploited it before they did was the presence of Timothy Fosu Immensa. Uh, another superb performance from him. I mean, there were a couple of slightly dodgy positional decisions and, you know, he does show his inexperience at times, but I haven't seen the data, but that, that looked like a lot of successful tackles to me. Uh, and there were some really dramatic ones. He he was very important and I think it was a huge part of the reason that Spurs didn't capitalise. Yeah, you know, he's best player by a mile, Fossi Mensah, and he, even though he didn't complete the game. So the first half, pretty dull. Uh, United... 60% of the possession really created no chances. A lot of that, I think, is down to the fact that uh, Mata, Lingard and Martial are all playing out of position. Van Gaal, I, I don't know what it is. He's obviously a much better manager than I am or any other fan, but why? I just don't get it. And uh, it's not. It's clearly not helping United. And then the second half just got worse from there, really. Um, what did it take? We had about 15 minutes into the second half when Spurs scored and, and that was it. All heads lost, I think. Um, Schneiderlin said in the aftermath that they lost uh, They lost sense of their, their positions after the first goal. And that's pretty unforgivable, isn't it? <sighs> just and, and it's no surprise because... You've got Louis van Gaal putting Ashley Young on as a centre-forward. Oh, and then the whole team is completely confused about where they're supposed to be playing and what they're supposed to be doing. Could that be because seven out of the ten outfield players were not playing in their natural position? Do you think that could have anything to do with the fact that the team don't know what they're doing? I know. I mean, Smalling, Carrick and Schneiderlin were the only ones, right? Uh, who uh, were really in their, their correct position. Everyone else is rotated all over the pitch. I mean, is there any other team in the Premier League that does this as much as United? Uh, and look, may, maybe maybe we're being simplistic here. You know, maybe we just don't understand and Van Gaal has such an amazingly clever plan that's all going to click into place at some point miraculously. Uh, but it isn't week to week, is it? Um, the best United can hope for is the run that they've had you know, in the four of the last five games in the Premier League where they win 1-0. That's the best United can hope for. The absolute best. So you're looking forward to United's 1-0 win against Aston Villa next weekend? <laughs> Can't wait. Well, first of all, we're going to get tonked by West Ham, aren't we? Can we talk a little bit about the decision to bring Young on? He said 
in his post-match interview when asked about it, we needed to get a player running in behind Tottenham. And I can't think of very many times when I've been as frustrated by something a United manager that's not David Moyes has said uh, about football. Some of the things Fergie said about some stuff is, uh, is up there. But anyway, you're looking at that and you're going, OK, you're just going to keep Martial on the left and play Young at centre-forward because Young runs in behind. As if Rashford, by the way, doesn't run in behind because I've seen no evidence to suggest that Rashford doesn't run in behind. There was nothing to run in behind. The whole point of running in behind is to get on the end of chances, right, and to stretch defenders to allow other people to make attacking use of the ball. None of that was happening. Young didn't make any of that happen. Why? Why? Why would you? There's, there is. Mm. Yeah, because what what he wants is is for a player to run in behind off the ball. So Rashford runs with the ball, and so does Martial. But um, I mean, Young up front. The only thing, the only I was thinking about this afterwards. The only rational explanation I could come up with was that he wanted to outdo Nick Powell. And Juan Mata, just to <laughs> troll the fans, and and he's got a secret Twitter account out there, and he's just watching, <laughs> laughing. There's nothing else. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, Young's not going to run in behind, uh, in in that sense, you know, into space any more than anyone else. And and what would be the point anyway? Because you're playing in Lingard, a player who really doesn't know how to play number ten. There, he's not going to create you a chance. Nope. Exactly. You're never going to get a cross out of either of your wingers because one of them's going to cut inside. I mean, dance past the entire team and nearly score the goal of the season. Like no criticism of Martial, and the other one's not going to be able to get past the fullback because the fullback is one of the the absolute standout players in the league this season. You know, it's a a total physical mismatch between the two of them, and. It, start to finish that game, the decisions made in that game, absolute joke and. It, Proper, like played Rocco. Don't think he took him off, did he? No, no, like, he didn't. I mean, only the one uh, fullback substitution today, and that was that was forced by an injury. Yeah, um, but Rocco's the the inclusion in the starting lineup absolutely ridiculous, given his performance at the weekend. Michael Carrick's performance at, at the weekend, and the fact that you're putting Carrick up against a incredibly physical dominant, pressing midfield. Ridiculous, ridiculous decision. Carrick against Dembele in 2016 with Eric Dyer backing up Dembele. It's just... No, I know. It's it's not even close, is it? Yeah. I mean, and look, for all of that, United did have a lot of the ball in the first half, um, less of the ball in the second half. But, but it was all completely, completely harmless. Just playing in front of Spurs all the time. Um, I, I really don't think Rose or Walker were really challenged when Martial got the ball and ran, uh, for sure. You know, caused Walker some problems. Um, but that's it. And Van Gaal had the cheek in the press conference afterwards to, to uh, you know, effectively blame Martial. He said that we had a big chance at nil-nil and we were good up till then, good up to the goal we conceded. So he was trying to basically say, well, if we'd scored then, it would have been a completely different game. Maybe... But the only shot on goal we had was when Martial went round the entire Spurs defence. It's not much. It's not a basis for a sustainable uh, model of success, is it? Yeah, he said. Uh, also, Daniel Levy knows he could have had me. I bet. I bet wow. Daniel Levy's devastated, Louis. Honestly, do, do, do you think we can ring up Daniel and uh, say, "Hey, look, do you fancy a swap? <laughs> P- Potch for Van Hal <laughs> plus cash." I mean, you know. 
it's a yeah it, it's a ridiculous situation and it's been getting more and more ridiculous and United were all right last weekend I quite enjoyed the game and it, it looked like there they was something there but no nothing nothing there away from Old Trafford again um United in the relegation zone for away form this season um so no that's not true but they're very poor on the road. And they're very poor up front as well. Nine teams have scored more goals than United this season. Yeah, goal difference is less than 10, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cities is like uh, 20 odd, isn't it? Late 20s. So uh, imagine we come down to the last game of the season. We, we could definitely do it if we score 75 goals. Yeah, I mean, if they are using the Moyes protocol and waiting until it's mathematically impossible for uh, United to... Uh, qualify for the Champions League to sack Van Gaal and it's a real shame that Man City is so rubbish in it because um, they're going to get Champions League football anyway but they're going to get it so late that we don't sack Van Gaal until the season's over I just you know this week's been a big week for talk about him staying as well uh, you would imagine that talk will be an awful lot quieter in the week ahead after that result yeah two of the most predictable uh uh, stories ever you know one one was the Van Gaal is staying in the Telegraph the the second was the follow-up the day afterwards uh, Jose Mourinho going to Real Madrid and yeah it's it's amazing how the, the two camps are playing one off against the other and it's like Fergie is conducting the orchestra I mean yeah at this point at this point I can't wait for Jose Mourinho to arrive and that is a very depressing thought given the incredible ambivalence that I feel about having Mourinho at Old Trafford. Uh-huh. Yep, but uh, it's better than this right now. And uh, we'll just watch as 30 miles east at Anfield, Klopp creates a fantastically attacking and attractive and hopefully not winning side. Yeah, and Guardiola at City. Yep, exactly. It's all fine. It's all fine. It's all just going to be fine. No problem. David Moyes is out of a job, by the way. <laughs> oh, dear. A lot of this is about the fact that they appointed Moyes after Fergie, isn't it? Like that's sowed some really terrible seeds. It's 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 a calamitous decision, and and I still can't bring myself to think that appointing Bangal was a calamitous mistake. But keeping him as long as they have and not acting in December has proved uh, to go exactly the way we all thought it would go, right? Well, yeah. Um, it has because uh, eighteen months had showed us exactly what we were getting out of Van Hull. Exactly, you know. Uh, so you know, you know, after United get tanked at West Ham in midweek and and they're out of the cup, that's that's it, season over. Only fourth place to fight for. Then doesn't look like there's an awful lot of fight in this team. When they don't concede a goal, it's okay. When they do, yep. they're screwed. And the the idea that fighting for fourth place is any kind of victory, even if we do get fourth place this season, that's that's the other thing about it. Last season, I was quite invested in the battle for fourth place because it felt like a sign of progress and a kind of return to normality. And this season, I don't think it's a particularly um, meaningful achievement in any way you know for United to get fourth it doesn't really do anything apart from you could say well there maybe that there's a transfer market the possibility of better you better work in the transfer market in the summer but the chances of the club making good decisions about superstar players the kind of players that would need Champions League football to come seems uh seems pretty unlikely given their recent track record. So look, if if United don't pull their shit together and uh, and appoint a director of football and a a sound manager and do it early and and start 
uh, actually planning for the, the post-Van Gaal future. You know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to spend all summer chasing some superstars uh, who will be using United's interests via agents and the press to get better contracts. And then uh, within the last week, they'll panic and uh, ring up Jorge Mendes and say, give us whatever you've got. And it'll be a bunch of half-baked footballers uh, who really aren't worthy of, of uh, playing for United, or maybe are at the moment, given how poor it is. And it'll be the continued Liverpoolization of the club. I mean, you know, it's just so predictable, isn't it? Uh, what has happened over the last two summers. Uh, United uh, have problems and they're rotten from the top, right down to the bottom. Van Gaal is a symptom of that, but he's certainly not the only cause. Um, and and unless there's some change, it's going to keep happening over and over again. Even Mourinho is gonna is going to struggle if he can't get the structure that he wants um, at, at United, you know. And uh, his brand of anti-football might might get a few better results than Van Gaal's achieving, but um, he's still going to be fighting uh, against the the tide of incompetence from the boardroom. Yeah, so uh, cheery show this week for you, ladies and gentlemen. But it's all fine because let's face it, it's only football. No, I mean, it is just, it's very hard to paint an optimistic future for United. It, it looks like, I felt like this season was really important in the medium term direction the club takes, whether we go the route that Liverpool went after they stopped winning stuff or whether we get back to the top table quickly. Um, I guess the the one thing you could say is that there is still um, there's a kind of power vacuum left in the league, isn't there? As evidenced by the fact that it really does look like Leicester are going to win it this season, and it looks like Spurs are going to come second, which is you know is really incredible. But that power vacuum kind of looks like it. If you had to kind of bet where that power vacuum is going to be filled from, I don't think much of the smart money would be on United. No, I mean, it probably won't be. I mean, there may be four points difference between City and United, which isn't an awful lot over a season, of course, but with Guardiola coming in, with uh, City's structure already planning purchases, uh, they know where they're going next season, they're well ahead of United in terms of the planning. You'd you'd, you'd bet from a standing start right now that City are going to be very dangerous next season and some some kind of normality will be you know, return to the Premier League. Uh, and, and you'd guess, right? And and United right now are going nowhere. I mean, who knows, right? Like months, months ahead. Um, and maybe with Mourinho and some sound purchases and, and a, a, you know, a bit more structure around how they do their business over the summer, uh, they'll manage to turn things around in the summer. But I wouldn't bet, it, I wouldn't bet on it right now. No, I mean, I guess the one thing I would say is like we... Is- covered this briefly last week but Manchester City for all their kind of good planning have made some absolutely staggering mistakes in the transfer market like they haven't bought a genuinely brilliant player Kevin De Bruyne is probably the only exception the only brilliant player they bought for a very very long time Uh, look absolutely it's not panacea right um but they at least you know have some kind of structure and and planning in process I mean the, the sides that are overperforming are ones that do that, right? Um, what did you did you watch Leicester Sunderland before our shambles? I did not. It was uh, it was very entertaining because for well, it was incredibly dull actually until the last twenty minutes. But it was funny how massively you could just quite literally see the effect of potentially winning the league was having on the Leicester players' ability to recognise their own feet. 
because it was like everything they tried just did not work and it was uh it was because Sunderland were so absolutely abject uh that Vardy was given a kind of uh a clear run on goal um and and once they'd scored they kind of really settled down massively um and you've got to think that's it now, right? I mean, I suppose Spurs winning that game is, is big, but... Well, it's, it's seven points. And, of course, Leicester could lose against West Ham next week and we could be down to four and then everyone gets very nervous. Especially because Leicester... I mean, you'd expect Leicester to beat Swansea. They do play us at Old Trafford. <laughs> we'll win that 1-0. Yeah, well, it's kind of set up for Leicester on the break, that one. They play Everton and, and Chelsea after that. So, look, it's not... Certainly not easy for them, but a seven-point lead with five to play, it's uh, its definitely theirs to lose now. It is. So, uh, I guess talking of things that are coming up in the future, we're going to play West Ham in midweek. Joy of joy. Yeah. I, I watched their game. Their absolutely hilarious barn-burning game. Absolute belter, with... that one, wasn't it? I mean, it, it was, was superb. Not only was it a superb game, but they were completely robbed. I mean, you don't like to believe in refereeing conspiracies, but wow, if you'd paid the referee, he couldn't have been more wrong in some of his decisions. <laughs> I mean, the, the first goal that they had ruled out for offside was, was a, what, two yards on? Shockingly poor. And uh, just, yeah, and, and it didn't stop there. No, um, the the fact that Arsenal, I, I really, sorry, I need, I should credit this because it was such a good line, but, um, oh yeah, it was Cal Gildart who tweeted, remarkably Arsenal of Arsenal to get to 2-0 up with 44 minutes gone so that the halftime talk was going to all be about a title push and that was too much pressure for them. So <laughs> two all by halftime. Big Andy Carroll uh, doing the damage. But yeah, Dimitri Payet was actually really quite poor in that game. Made a lot of bad decisions with the ball and just wasn't wasn't at the races at all and you think if he had been he had a lot of moments where he could have created something and didn't so if he had been I think it would have been maybe even worse for Arsenal and it'll be interesting to see whether he's at the races against us what do you think this game's going to be like I think United might fall at the first jump Look, uh, West Ham, the way they play is, is very technical through midfield. They get a lot of players ahead of the ball. They attack both down both wings. They get the full-backs forward. Cresswell's been brilliant this season. They are a kind of side that could cause United problems. The funny thing is, though, with Carroll being back fit, you wonder whether they'll be tempted to go direct. Actually, what they did against Arsenal was go wide, and that, that really worked for them, didn't it? Um, and they're very, very dangerous around uh, around the box with set pieces. Uh, if they go direct, that, that tends to play into United's hands because Blint actually doesn't struggle with that as much as we thought he would. What he struggles with is positional sense. <laughs> I just had an image of the replay of that first goal where Smalling and Blint go for the same ball. Wow. Then Blint's really out of possession and then he's got a winner sprint against Deli Alley. <laughs> Not even funny, was it? <laughs> Just hoping Deli Ali falls over at that point. Yes, does a Devon Lock, as, as uh, Fergie might say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, look, I mean, West Ham are set up pretty well to cause United problems. Uh, obviously, they, they'll, you'd expect them to be on the front foot. United are terrible away from home. Uh, you wonder what the morale is like at the moment. Um, are, they, are they setting out already just to make sure they beat the East London traffic? <laughs> <laughs> it's you know it is set up for West Ham. I, I just wonder that thing with Andy Carroll being um, back in the side and fit. Whether whether you know sometimes they'll be tempted to go a bit more direct than they they would need to. But if they get it wide 
and get it in, that's going to cause United problems, definitely, and definitely offset pieces. Yeah, because it's, it's remarkable, in spite of the fact that he's used 400 fullbacks this season, uh, we're so vulnerable down those flanks. You know, there's there's just such there's such a vulnerability there, isn't there? Well, look, I'm going to be controversial here, but is Marcus Rocco just a bit shit? I'm not sure that's controversial at this point, is it? Like, he's having a really, really dreadful season at the very least. And, you know, it's, it's always possible that these things are about form. But, yeah, he's, he's, he's having a real stinker. But again, like, some of that's got to be on Van Gaal as well, because Rocco... You could swap Rojo and Blint in that lineup, and I'm not sure it gets worse, does it? No, I, I mean, you, you've got players in their best positions, then, if you did that, I suppose. So, um, I mean, look, I, I, I keep thinking to myself, am I missing something? Am I missing something that's so genius it's just gone above my head uh, with all these players out of position? You know, something that Van Hal has spotted that none of us have. Because for me, if you just. Jiggle all the players around in in you know within this sort of four two three one system into the positions at which they play best in and feel most comfortable, and then suddenly you're going to get something quite a lot better than what we've got right now. Yeah, I think if it was just you, then maybe um, the results would be better. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, no. Um, although, I, I, did you read? Uh, I'm I'm very reluctant to promote anything that Duncan Castles writes. Right. Just just want to caveat it right uh, at the top there. But did do. you read his interview with uh, Nani? No, I, I uh, which which didn't. was quite funny. You know, it's basically Nani having a whinge about um, uh, about the way Van Hal coaches called it crazy. He said he treats us like children. He, he talked a lot about how. Uh, one of the uh, one of the coaches, you know, is always on at them about you have to pass it here, you have to pass it there. Don't take too many touches. You have to stand here. You know, very very much about the process and the detail. Um, and he thinks it's treating the the uh, the players like children, which a number of the other players think too. So we're led to believe. Yeah, absolutely. And and a number of players that Van Gaal has coached throughout his career. Like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, for example, said almost exactly that. Yeah, and and you know, I know, I know, we've talked about it before. Um, for young players, some of them like it, right? So they like the instruction. They like it. To, it's simple for them because they're just being told what to do. For intuitive players, creative players, and more mature players, they hate it. And I think the other group of players that like it is incredibly cerebral players. So, like Thomas Muller, who was both who was young, but I don't think he liked the specificity of the instruction. I think he liked thinking about football in a different way. I think that's, the, you know, that's the thing that elevated his game to, you know, he always credits Van Gaal with being crucial. Like Van Gaal isn't a bad coach. He's just either a man out of time or the kind of combination of factors is is really disruptive or the, there's something about him and the English language, which means he's not getting his message through properly or this group of players isn't a good match for him and this job isn't a good match for him. But, you know. He, he's he's done a lot of good in his career and a lot of players are very grateful to him. Yeah, not too many at Old Trafford right now, I guess. Uh, may, maybe some of the younger players, yeah. No, um, except the but kids. would they want him to stay on? I mean, you know, look, I, I'm sure there's uh, there's something going on in the back of most of the players' minds. They've got to be thinking there's a new coach coming and, and uh, will they be part of the plans, I'm sure. You know, it's, and it's probably a distraction. Um, for the younger players, certainly, if Mourinho comes, you've got to think about the the guy's record over twenty years at the top of the game. You know, not too many younger players have have really blossomed under him. But you know, the flip side of this is 
I don't really believe this was ever Van Hal's strategy. I think it's been forced upon United by injury and, and poor form of some players. But, uh, I mean, first immense is different, right? Because he could have played Valencia and Damian there and he and he uh, he chose not to and he's picked him on merit. Many, many of the other younger players have got into the team because of injury. So it'd be interesting with Young back and, and Rooney coming back probably next week. Who, who drops out? Yeah, it's funny because uh, I wrote a thing after the Friday press conference wrote a thing about, oh, well, where's Rooney fit into this team? Because, you know, Rashford's doing really well in his absence. Van Gaal's going to be so happy we were a complete attacking non-entity against uh, Tottenham because he'd be like, ah, I can just put Rooney back into the team now and nobody will complain. Yeah, and Rooney's a flat-track bully these days. He'll probably score two against Aston Villa and none for the rest of the season, you know. and uh, We can all lord him again next weekend. Um, so uh, I forgot to ask for rank cast questions, but some people are are smart and just send them in anyway. Uh, at Andy Yax says, of the twenty seven choices, who should win the Louis Van Gaal Fullback of the Year award? Yeah, Tim Fosu Mensa, I think. Yeah, Tim Fosu Mensa at right back, Luke Shaw at left back. <laughs> Not playing a lot of games definitely helps. You know, Luke Shaw is in the top ten for number of successful crosses completed by United players this season. Awesome. That's a good start, isn't it? Yeah. I haven't got any other rank cast questions. Sorry, my bad, everybody. It's going to be a shorter show this week. But everyone would have just said the same thing, right? Should we get rid of Van Gaal? Who should we get in in the summer? All these things that there are no good answers to, except obviously we should. And I don't know, it seems a bit sad, but probably Jose. Yeah. So I put this question out on, uh, well, I put a poll out on Twitter earlier today saying, what would you rather? I'm only giving you two questions here Paul United miss out in the top four yeah. but Van Hal is sacked yeah United make the top four but he stays I mean it's just not even a question at this point it just isn't a question because getting in the top four does basically nothing for us like yeah sure the commercial people will be happy um and maybe there's a recruitment factor but surely the recruitment will be massively hampered by Van Gaal's presence at this point given the disaster it's been and it's not like we're going to do anything in the Champions League next season is it i mean you, look look most of, most of the the top journalists from around Europe are saying yeah Mourinho is done but let's just uh, let's play creative for a bit anyway do, do you think the board would be incompetent enough to leave a lame duck manager who's failed for two seasons in the job? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Because if this board has done anything, it's shown that it has a tremendous capacity for incompetence. I mean, I think it was a, it was a self-evidently, uh, self-evidently self-defeating decision to keep Van Gaal on in December, let alone now. Like... They've. You could argue that December till the end of the season, this was the last chance for Van Gaal to prove himself. And instead, he's proven himself a catastrophe time and time and time again. There's been some good results. There have been some good performances. There always were going to be, because that's part of his MO, because he's not a, an idiot. But But when it comes to the crunch, he makes appalling decisions time and again. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Like, today, a win today would have been absolutely enormous for the potential of getting top four. And Van Gaal stuffed it. This is this is on Van Gaal, this, this loss. The, the other really big game that's happened since Christmas was the first leg of the Europa League game against Liverpool. Van Gaal absolutely stuffed it. Played Fellaini in the middle with 
there was, you know, he didn't have to, he wasn't forced into that decision by circumstances, did that off his own back. And that was the critical factor in deciding the outcome of that game. Mm. Well, quite. Talking of Fellaini, uh, Carrick had a pretty much a stinker today. That Schneidlin did too, by the way. Uh, Fellaini on the bench might start against West Ham. What do you think? I- I'd actually put some money on that. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, it's so awful at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> Just, oh dear. Talking about Man United right now is not that much fun. Yeah, I guess Fellaini will start. That 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 makes that makes sense. Find it hard to say that with a straight face. Yeah, well, actually, there's a couple of reasons. One, Carrick had a stinker. Uh, he doesn't really trust Herrera. Certainly not in away games. Um, and uh, Schweinsteiger's injured. Um, and uh, there's the problem of Andy Carroll, so he's going to want someone... Wicked. Big. So uh, are we thinking uh, Schneiderlin and uh, Fellaini centre-mid? Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, that's probably uh, about right. And, and obviously Young came off the bench. He may well start. I'd probably think he'll drop matter for that one because he likes a bit of energy and, and all of that. So He never drops matter, though. He hardly, no. ever, hardly ever drops. He takes him off, but he hardly ever drops him. It's very true, actually. Madder does play a lot of games, yeah. Anyway, why are we second-guessing uh, United's defeat to West Ham? I mean, we <laughs> so, could we could win. It, could bring, could, could do, put yeah. out a performance and win. It happens sometimes. Uh, but I think if you're doing it on the balance of pr- pr- probability, we're, we're not going to be in the FA Cup semi-final. Um, so then, then we play Villa. A game that it's incredibly difficult to get enthused about, but a game I suspect we will win because uh, we're still pretty good at home uh, at winning games, if not playing entertaining football. There have been very few teams in the uh, Premier League era, quote unquote, uh, quite as bad as Aston Villa. Yeah, they're they're real, real, real bad, aren't they? They they put our uh, miserable analysis of United into some pretty sharp relief, don't they? Because uh, because they're going down and there's no certainty whatsoever about when they're coming back up. No, and, and the history of, of uh, teams going down shows you that, that you're absolutely right there. I mean, this is still a very big club, but uh, a, a very big club that's not had success for a very long time, doesn't get great crowds. Obviously, they're going to get piles of money in parachute payments, so they have a financial advantage over the rest of the championship, but um, it's not going it's, it's, it's to be pretty. Um, definitely not. I mean, loads and loads of teams go down and don't come back up for quite a long time. Uh, somebody pointing out on Twitter that this means that uh, I think only two of the grounds um, that were Euro 96 was played at are still uh, grounds of Premier League teams. Uh, just Old Trafford and Anfield are the ones at Hillsborough, the City Ground, Villa Park. Um, I can't remember the others, but yeah. A litany of teams that have got relegated. Maybe, maybe it's a curse. Maybe we'll go down next season. <laughs> well, we might do. If Louis still in charge. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, very. I mean, yeah, interesting. Villa, Villa should be set up to be a proper team, right? They're, they're a they're a team with genuine footballing history, um, and uh, and they're they're in a big city with a lot of football interest in it. Um, but they've just been horrendously mismanaged since their owner took over, haven't they? That's that's 
that's been the real problem. And uh, Well, you can trace it all the way back to when he spunk 24 million this Randy Lerner, 24 million on Darren Bent, who's a total duff, and decided that he was never going to do that again. Um, and has withheld cash ever since, and they they sold their best players whenever they got the chance. Yeah, so. um, I've heard some people say, "Oh, they spent quite a lot of money in the summer," and I just think, what a ridiculous thing to say about a team that that sold by far and away its two best players and got, you know, in Benteke's case, they got one heck of a price for him. But you know, I'm sure every Villa fan would much rather they'd uh, just held on to him because. It's uh, it's it's awfully sad what's happened and and yeah they they might not they might not be back and uh, it's been a happy place for United over the years hasn't it it certainly has yeah a certain uh, FA Cup semi final comes to mind <laughs> yeah hey but but look Villa fans if you're listening probably aren't but you know you never know you have got something to cheer about. You've got a new club crest. Have they? Well, hey, oh. yeah, yeah. Have you no. not seen this? They've uh, yeah, it still says prepared and it's still got the lion, yeah. um, but it's uh, it's quite simple and with the little one star. I guess that is one star for once relegated. <laughs> no, no, no. One. They've got a lion, but now it's just like a comedy lion grinning and winking. And <laughs> sorry, lads. Hey, they get to have a they get to have a second city derby next season though, unless Birmingham City have been uh, sent down for doping or whatever. That's a, an oblique reference. Um, please don't sue us, Birmingham City. I'm not saying you're doping. As a reference to the Sunday Times story last week about doping in football, um, and an Irish doctor was uh, tricked into talking about um, to a journalist about players who've doped, and he listed a bunch of like, you know, Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester, Birmingham City. <laughs> it's, that's such a terrible ad. Why mention it? Just like if you have doped players at Leicester, Chelsea, and Arsenal, just leave it at that, mate. You don't need to mention Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, you know, no one took it seriously until he admitted that. Yeah, uh, Leicester though, mind you, look at their injury record this season. Hmm. Yeah, but that's not any kind of allegation. I want to make that abundantly clear. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying. You know, these two completely separate things, which are totally <laughs> unrelated. Leicester never get any injuries. Come out of the blue. Doping in football. We should say, though, that that's, uh, the allegation is made against individual players rather than any kind of organised thing within clubs. Um, so, yeah, but uh, have a listen to Second Captain's podcast if you want a more detailed discussion on that. Just do that anyway because it's really good. Very good, yeah. Well, that, the new logo is the best thing about Aston Villa by some... And in fact, they should just put a bunch of shirts out on the pitch with the new logo. No players in it. And they would be just yeah. as good. Um, imagine if they beat us. Imagine if we're that bad that Aston Villa beat us. I can't see it. I think we we are we we remain perfectly efficient at home. Ah, do you know what? I, I, I realised I made a mistake. I said it still had the word prepared on it. Right. Uh, it doesn't. They re- removed the word prepared. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was so self-evidently a lie. Yes. Um, also about, you know, maybe we should take it, you know, <laughs> give it to the uh, the guy driving the bus. All right. So um, what season do you think Man United will next win the league, Ed? Oh, my God. Well, it's, it's impossible to say. It's impossible. 2019. Okay. 
That's a long Just making it. A long it's, time I'm just, yeah, well, look, um, let, let's just say, let's play this out then. Scenario is, uh, we think, the most likely one. Jose takes over. He never wins anything in his first season. Um, there's quite a lot of turnaround. So let's say he wins nothing in his second season. His third season would be 2016, 2017, 2017, 2018, 2018, 2019. There you go. So uh, that's an interesting thought experiment, isn't it? Because I don't know if he doesn't win anything in his first two seasons, if he gets a third season. Because United fans have got a taste for blood now. This is it. We had 25 years of one manager, but now we're just getting through them. As soon as one loses a couple of games, get him out. He's rubbish. Why wait till they lose a couple of games? (laughs) Yes, uh, United are very much a sacking club. And they always have been, of course, as we've discussed many times. Yeah, so uh, I can't think of anything else I'd care to talk about about Manchester United this week, Ed, can you? Wow. It's that bad. I know. It's true. Look, it's uh, what can you say about that um, performance other than if it wasn't the worst performance or the worst it has got under Van Hal? Because it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't the worst performance under Van Hal for you know eighty four minutes and twenty seconds. Um, <laughs> but if that's not the worst it's got under Van Van Hal, it's got to be very close. Yeah. Right. So you know what else do you say other than that? It was a total mess at the back end. They created nothing going forward. Van Hal has learned nothing in in almost two years as being a manager. Now he's he's been given resources, of course, not the quarter of a billion that that's always banded around because uh, some of that, of course, was. Uh, from sales of very talented players who are achieving quite a lot at clubs that are winning by miles and miles and miles. Did you see Shinji's goal today? I did not actually. Was it good? And- it's, it's an absolute peach. Look it up when you've you know when you can take it when you think you can take it. Awesome, yeah. And uh, at least Danny Welbeck didn't score a hat trick this weekend. <laughs> um, the uh, calamitousness of Van Gaal's decision making is. Definitely, uh, definitely skews the way you feel about his career as a whole. But I, I, I always do feel slightly compelled to defend him as a football manager in general. I'm not sure this proves anything about that. But that he's a man out of time or a man out of place or both just could not be clearer, could it? It's uh, and 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 if the board find it in themselves to keep him on, you just you really do lose hope for like next season's just going to be absolutely miserable if that happens i mean i guess the one thing you could say is that he'll go you know it won't be a full season of van gaal unless it goes well yeah and, and look the, i guess it, there's two ways it can, you know they do keep him and they make this awful decision there's 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 two ways it can go for me one is either they're in the europa league and we get extra miserable games we get even more miserableness. And in the really best scenario, we miss out on the Europa League and we only have 38, 38 games or 39 with the FA Cup after we lose to Milton Keynes Dons in the third <laughs> round of miserableness. <laughs> yes. Um, so with all that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, have a lovely week. <laughs> um, sorry it's been so moany uh, this week. 
United fans don't really have a lot to moan about given the ridiculous amount of success we've all seen. Um, But this is a show that is attempting to analyse what's happening at United this week uh, and there's really no positive spin to put on that as far as I can see. Maybe we can get Van Hull in the ring with uh, Anthony Joshua. But you see, I don't wish him any personal harm. Like, I don't think that would help. I just don't want him to be United manager anymore. I don't want him to be dead. (laughs) (laughs) No, not dead, just, you know... A bit of a, you know, 4-3-3. I'm pretty sure that putting Van Gaal in the ring with Anthony Joshua would just kill him. I think that would just, you know, I'm not sure he walks out again. Ah, sad. Anyway, anyway, look, perhaps, perhaps we we were totally wrong and United will go to West Ham uh, and it'll be a thrilling cup tie and United will win in glorious fashion, 5-4. Uh, it'll be a fantastically entertaining game. We'll all feel much better about ourselves uh, until Villa turn up at uh, Old Trafford next weekend and win 1-0. <laughs> I am going to predict a 2-0 defeat in midweek and a 1-0 win at the weekend. Yeah, um, I'm going to predict a 2-1 defeat. God, there's two weeks in a row we've predicted defeats. Uh, and, and I mean, it would it had been pretty stupid. I'm not saying it was impossible we would win at White Hart Lane, but predicting a win was a real, real long shot choice, wasn't it? We're talking odds. West Ham are basically at two to one to win in the uh, cup game, and United at six to four. It feels like the uh, the bookies haven't quite caught up with reality at the moment. There's some good money to be had there. Yeah, um, but uh, don't do that because gambling's bad. Gambling's bad. Yeah, I lost on the horses in the uh, office sweepstake, and actual money I put on the nose. Um, not good. And I had Joshua in the seventh round. Right. That was foolish as well. None of his fights go that far. No, no. Um, I don't know anything about boxing or horse racing, but I, I, they, neither of them seem like a good idea. Look, horse racing's simple. 40 horses run around and a few of them go off to the glue factory. Boxing's simple. Two guys beat the crap out of each other. Right. There you go. Done. And football's simple. Just play Ashley Young and send him to run in behind and you'll definitely win. Uh, okay, uh, we'll be back next week. I hope that you've enjoyed the show. Yep, um, uh, two victories coming up. Come on, you Reds. Come on, you Reds. <laughs>